Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another incredible episode of Market Impact Insights. And today we're going to explore what's really behind the inspiration and the motivation for starting a company, but specifically starting a company in a very hotly competitive space like CRM, where you have well established players, well funded players, and yet you have an innovative vision coming in and the need to be creative, to be resourceful, to be scrappy, quite honestly, in order to achieve long-term success and most importantly, be very, very focused on the customer. And we're going to explore this today with Jeroen Korthout. Jeroen is co-founder and CEO of Salesflare, an intelligent CRM that's built for small and medium-sized businesses that are selling business-to-business solutions. It's been very popular with agencies. It's been very uh, popular with fast-growing startup companies. And what's really interesting about this story, and we'll explore this with Jeroen a little bit, is Salesflare itself was founded on the motivation of Jeroen and his co-founder who wanted to more effectively follow up the leads for their software company and do that in a more easier, more effective way. So some of the best ideas... Uh, come from real need. And so I'd love to get into that with Jeroen a little bit. But uh, Jeroen has a a really uh, impressive background, uh, an entrepreneurial background, uh, and is really on the fast track in really growing Salesflare to be a powerful force in the CRM space. So Jeroen, with all that as a backdrop, welcome to 2021 and welcome to Market Impact Insights. Yeah, thank you. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. We're in January a new year, new opportunities, and a great time to be talking to you about your story, which uh, in going and just taking a look at the trajectory here, really, really interesting. And I want to start out in going back a bit uh, and understand what motivated you to pursue a more entrepreneurial path so earlier in your career. And can you talk a little bit about what really inspired the founding of Salesflare? Yeah. Uh, I think I always wanted to um, to start a company, not ju- not so much about the, the idea of, of of having a company, but more uh, I always like to enjoy building stuff, uh, and especially doing that for other people. Like uh, you make something and you build something out over time. The, the nicest thing is when you can actually uh, see it growing, and you can see that other people enjoy it. That's something that I always sort of love to do in all kinds of different uh, ways. The, the the first time that it really sort of resembled a business, you could say, was when I was 15, 16. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I started building websites. Um, it was a time when, uh, when when Flash was very popular. Now, nowadays, it's dead. They just, they just killed it off. Uh, but back then, it was the future of, uh, of, of websites. Um, and, um, 
I built some websites and I really enjoyed it. Uh, you could, you could basically your, your imagination, you could go, let it run wild and anything was possible. And you could b- build the most beautiful things for people. And then, um, you would get money in return or uh, you know, whatever, something else could also be. And, um, actually at that moment already, I knew I wanted to, um, have my own company at some point. Um, but I did, uh, take a track of, of, of studying first of going to business school, even working in a, in a, in a corporate, I worked in a consultancy, uh, all first because I, I didn't really feel like I had, uh, enough backgrounds to actually, uh, properly lead a company. Um, some background for me first to see how it's done before actually uh, jumping into it myself. And that's not because I hadn't done any entrepreneurial stuff. I also uh, had a, for instance, a secondhand uh, business in, 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 well, business in secondhand cell phones. Um, but it's, yeah, having a real business is something else, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You, you talk about, having that self-awareness that even though you had some experience in starting off some, some businesses of just thinking that you needed a bit more education, uh, get a little bit more maturity. Uh, but you know, a lot of times people don't think that way, but in this case, you really paced yourself to the point that you could really start a more strategic business, right. For a for mm-hmm. longer term. Yeah. That's really good. So what, prompted you let's let's go back to the beginning of sales flare because this is really interesting there was a specific need right there was something that was that moment in time you said you know what there could be something here can you talk a little bit about that yeah yeah actually um i talked about working in a consultancy um that's something i did for for about four years um, it was a consultancy that helped pharmaceutical companies uh, to become digital because there's a, a huge need there to uh, do something. Most people in marketing and in uh, pharma are salespeople and they don't have a, a great grasp of, of how digital works. Uh, so for us as a consultancy, there was a lot of work, um, which was fun. Um, we used a lot of Salesforce in our projects. And we also use it internally. Uh, so Salesforce is the, the biggest player in the CRM market, like in the customer relationship management systems. They uh, hold about 20% of the market. And um, we deployed it successfully within projects at customers. Our CEO and management really loved it. Only I noticed that people who had to use it themselves to, uh, uh, well, the people who were selling did not really enjoy it. And also it wasn't really particularly useful. Like it was my very first CRM, for instance, and they had told me that it was was great to organize my sales. I really tried, but I just couldn't. Um, I kept organizing myself in Outlook and with uh, a a task app was called Wunderlist. But I I, I tried the uh, tasks in uh, Salesforce for a moment, but it just... It didn't seem like it was uh, on par with other things. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really give me the necessary overview either to uh, take care of my customers well. And that was the same for all my colleagues. So what it ended up 
being was um, more of a management reporting tool than it was a sales platform, which obviously um, creates a lot of issues because the only data that appears in the CRM at that moment is is um, data that is needed for management reporting, but all the rest, like uh, all the information about customers with which you um, create a sort of log and uh, transparency and all that about um, like what happened and their details and when to follow up again, that's all not in there. So uh, imagine somebody leaves, you have no idea, you have to start from scratch. Uh, somebody is sick, uh, imagine you have to work together with different people on a customer, it's, it's not in the CRM either. You know, all these kind of issues. But I didn't do anything with that insight for um, a few years until I um, was working on a software company myself, uh, another one. And um, we had a lot of leads because we had gone to a, a trade conference. It was a big IBM conference because we sold uh, software that was compatible with IBM's products. And we looked at different systems to organize ourselves, to be able to uh, close as many uh, deals as possible from the interested people at that conference. It was about 130 that we had on our list. And um, we knew that Salesforce wasn't going to help. So we had a good look around. And thankfully, we found a, a lot of uh, better things uh, to organize yourself when you, when you want to do uh, sales. But we didn't find anything that we could make work for us. And that was not because the software wasn't beautifully designed or a bit more user-friendly and all that. It was more because we just couldn't make ourselves fill it out. Like, it seemed like the software had these gigantic expectations of us being uh, these perfect data input robots that would fill out every single thing that uh, happened and every new person that we met and every single detail. At every point, we would think, oh, this needs to be in the CRM, but we didn't. And that meant that uh, in the end, uh, the data wasn't complete, which made the, the system less useful, which makes you even less motivated to put data in the, in the system. And it just goes in a downward spiral. And at some point, it, it just doesn't help you to... Uh, do your sales until the point that we actually figured that everything we were inputting into these systems was already in another system. And we were always like duplicating stuff. Like we were uh, emailing in one system and then going into CRM and saying, okay, uh, just send an email or having a meeting and going to CRM and say, we had a meeting. Uh, there's someone new on an email at the company going to CRM and say, oh, there's this person we know as well. You see an email signature in an email, you, you start copying parts of that email signature into the CRM, you know? All these kind of things where you're basically taking information in one place and putting it in another place. So we figured, what if we just connect to all these places? Like we connect to your emails, we connect to your calendar, we connect to your phone, we connect to company databases, uh, we pull in some social media stuff, we integrate email tracking, web tracking, you know, all these kind of things are digital, can be pulled in, a system can organize it for you. And then based on that, you basically don't really have to do the data input anymore. 
Um, and it can help you as a salesperson to do sales in a much better way and as a company to have all the benefits uh, you want to have from a CRM yeah. system. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was 2014, now almost almost seven years ago. And um, nowadays we, uh, yeah, we, it, it works. Uh, we have about, um, well, a bit over 2,000 uh, people using the, the software right now. And uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so what a story. And so seeing that, that gap, that opportunity to do something a little bit differently uh, and to create a better experience for the customer. But at the same time, as you were taking that idea forward, you know, you, you had to know you were going to be going up and competing with really large established brands. You know, we yeah. mentioned sales, Salesforce, Microsoft, I mean, CRM, very crowded space. It's like a classic David versus Goliath. I'm curious, Jeroen, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced when you're competing with those big names? Uh, what learning have you gotten along the way? Yeah. Yeah, first of all, it's you need to compete with a name, like you say, uh, very literally. Um, it's a it's a branding battle. Uh, people often go uh, for a system just because it comes with a certain uh, credibility, um, or because it's just the first one top of mind. Uh, nowadays, you can you can you can say uh, nobody's haven't ever been fired for uh, choosing Salesforce. Yeah, um, but. If you choose Salesforce, uh, a lot of things might not work, uh, and, but nobody, uh, you know, it's, it's like in the past, but uh, nobody ever got fired for choosing IBM. Um, secondly, these, these companies have a huge amount of resources. First of all, because they're really, really big. Uh, so they have a lot of budgets. They have a lot of people. Um, but also very often, um, they charge a lot, so they earn a lot per customer, which makes that they can also spend much more, uh, for instance, per click uh, than we can. Um, like some of our competitors earn 10 times as much per customer as we do because they uh, sell you one thing and they sell you another thing on top of that and another thing on top of that, and you know, uh, which makes it very hard to compete. Because basically nowadays it's mostly about uh, getting traffic to you. Um, Google and the likes are the major traffic drivers out there. So we have a hard time there when it comes to paid traffic. And we mostly need to look at, at other ways of growing. Um, for us, it's really about... Uh, first of all, uh, working on organic channels. So we mostly get our, our um, customers from word of mouth. We get them from Google searches. We get them from uh, people looking on review sites. Uh, we get them from our content marketing. We write a lot of content that is related to um, um, to what our software does. And sort of also showcases uh, the software in there, which then helps people to see how Salesforce works, and then and then maybe um, maybe consider using it. Um, but it's also partly about for the word of mouth part, 
creating uh, better software, which is not by itself doesn't really help, I must say, but uh, but also having better relationships with customers. Yes. So if you go look on G2, and that helps us partly, uh, we're the, the number one most implementable CRM in the world, and there's 640-something listed on G2 right now. Um, the second one when it comes to best relationships with customers, I think, and I think fourth easiest to use, at least based on their rankings, of course. Um, so that 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 does help us to compete to a certain extent. I don't think we'll ever grow um, to the size of our some of our competitors, um, but it 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 makes up. We we have a good business. Yeah, yeah. Well, being number one on a list of six forty. Boy, I take that any day you're in. That's uh, that's amazing. And so you talked a little bit about uh, the word of mouth and the power of creating a positive customer experience. And so obviously, when you're founding a, a product-focused uh, company, a software company, uh, there's the building out the solution. But with any company that's successful, it's also about the people. And mm-hmm. I'm curious. So I'm curious, as you founded the company over the last several years, uh, what uh, approach have you taken to establish a distinctive culture? Because culture, in addition to what you're doing technically with the solution, is just so important to success. So any thoughts around developing the culture and kind of what path have you taken there? Yeah, I think the main things when you want to develop um, the right culture is is first finding the right group of people. So it's 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 partly in hiring um as a consultant i worked in uh, in some i mean i worked for pharma companies and i did projects for them but there were some pharma companies also that needed someone for anywhere between like uh, nine months or a bit longer or something uh to uh, fill a role so i worked within companies as well and i, I noticed there were huge differences and it's partly the people you're surrounded with that's that's a major part of it but it's partly also a sort of um cultural code of how you do things what is important like what values do you have together how do you communicate with each other that is another big part of the equation and i think the main things that help there is one um setting the example consistently following a certain set of values um, with the team and it, it, it grows, you know. Um, and secondly, it's is uh, often affirming things. Like, for instance, we, tr- we try to uh, have a culture in which um, everybody can speak up about anything because it, it helps, then we're... we're all of us are, are trying to make things better, not just the, the, the founders of the company. And that also means that when any time that somebody speaks up, you also need to respect it. You need to do something with it. Um, otherwise, that doesn't continue, obviously. Yeah, I think the, the word that, that went through my mind as you were talking is transparency. And then there's the what what I liked about what you said there at the end was then the accountability from a leadership perspective that if you're going to get the input or you're going to have the open dialogue, make it actionable in some way, right? It's just so it doesn't just get talked out and doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And, um, and of course I'm assuming as part of that, uh, approach to hiring that you've got to have a a pretty strong filter around kind of customer focus, right? Customer orientation, Mm -hmm. because it sounds like that's a real differentiator for you. You mean in terms of culture or? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of the culture that you want people that are very oriented to, I'm assuming very oriented to being customer focused. Yeah. Um, that's not, that's not something you just find. I, uh, customer focus, it's more like um, people who are uh, empathic, um, can communicate well, um, yeah. Yeah. want to improve things, um, want to learn. Those are the things more that you select on, I think. Instead of thinking like, hey, are you customer focused? That's not something you can... Yeah. Are you yeah. a customer focused person? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, you know, what I found is, you know, through the interviewing is having people share actual examples, you know, of, of what they've accomplished or their approach to work. And then usually, you know, if they're in a role that is uh, customer facing, or maybe it's support, or maybe it's more of a marketing, or it could be a sales role. Mm-hmm. Um what you talked about there in terms of those other attributes that, that that'll lead to being customer focused, right? I mean, if yeah. you bring all of that. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with you. You're on that. And, and I, I'm curious, you know, you, you've got a global customer base today. You've got customers uh, in all regions of the world being a European based company. I'm curious um, what, from a standpoint of having a global perspective, what has that contributed in terms of your success, taking that bigger view in order to be successful in some of the bigger markets um, like the United States, but but literally around the world, having that global perspective? How does that come into play? Uh, how that helps to be successful? Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because uh, the nuances of different markets, customers in different markets, global perspective, that's got to be important too as you think about your strategy. yeah. Honestly, um, so so for, I'm first gonna uh, paint the picture. We we have indeed customers all over the world, like in I don't know, 60, 70 countries. Um, the main markets we are strong in, though, are the markets in which they uh, speak English. Um, so the US is our biggest market. Um, then next is the UK. Then next is the Benelux, because that's where we are, Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg, Uh, especially the, um, let's say, Flanders, the part of Belgium where they speak Dutch and the Netherlands, Um, because the French-speaking part just doesn't speak uh, English to the same level. And then there's uh, countries like uh, Australia and uh, Poland, Germany, other bigger countries where part of the people speaks um, English. This is for us the main factor on which people are sort of um, naturally selected in terms of customers. Um, In terms of culture, yes, there are some differences. For that reason, we have um, like... uh, uh, Taylor, who takes care of customers, and Carrie, who does partnerships, uh, they are both American. Um, that 
means that they uh, speak native English, uh, but they also understand uh, the culture a little better. I must say there's no huge cultural differences with uh, with us here in Belgium. Uh, it's not, <laughs> I mean, it's not a totally different world or something. Um, and that actually applies to both markets, uh, most markets in which we are um, present. The main... Um, the the main issue with selling globally, I would say, is the time zones. Mm-hmm. Um, is that basically, if you want to speak with uh, Australian customers, then it's usually early morning for us. And if we want to speak with people in San Francisco, it's it's late afternoon to evening. Um, and nothing else actually stops you from selling globally because nowadays if you have a business that runs fully over the internet like we do we have uh, software that works on the internet we do the support over the internet uh, all those kind of things um that the time zone is the only uh, big difficulty to deal with yeah it is a true 24-hour clock no doubt where you've got customers in those different zones and yeah you know, as I mentioned earlier, your focus seems to be on delivering the automated CRM solutions to the small to medium-sized businesses. And I, I, I see out on the website, you, you talk about the promise of being able to help them sell more while, mm-hmm. work, while working less. So there's kind of an efficiency implied there. Um, I'm curious, in, in having w- gotten feedback and working with customers literally all over the world, what are you hearing from them? What, what are some of the biggest concerns or pressures that, that you're hearing from your customers, especially maybe during this challenging year of the pandemic? Um, what are you hearing from them that, that could uh, play into what their CRM needs are? Um, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, there were a few things that happened. Um, lots of people, their pipelines got uh, completely slashed, like there was nothing left. Like a, a lot of customers were not buying anymore and all of a sudden they had to um, professionalize. Um, lead generation became a, a bit more difficult um, because maybe people were dependent on going to conferences. Well, I don't think there's going to be any conferences uh, for another year. Uh, I mean, there might be some, but uh, there won't be much people there either uh, if there's conferences. So. Um, and then a third thing, um, lots of people weren't really, uh, used to, uh, selling remotely, like selling online through zoom and all that. Um, uh, so that was a big adaptation as well. And, um, what that all means is that your CRM, um, partly needs to be able to help you, uh, with prospecting second, it needs to, um, create a, a system for you that is so good at follow-up that uh, you can close most of the the, the, the deals you, you have. Uh, like you might not have that many leads, but if you can close them all, then at least you can, you can have good business. And, and third, uh, that works together very well with the, the digital channels through which you sell like your, uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of email. It's going to be um, booking meetings in the calendar, maybe with a meeting scheduler. Um, it's going to be uh, placing voice over IP calls or 
normal calls, perhaps. It depends how, how international your customer base is. So all these kind of things are very, uh, very important when you choose a CRM next to all the, the usual, of course. Like uh, choosing a CRM that uh, your sales team wants to use is, uh, is uh, as, as important as all the things I just mentioned. Yeah, you're you're right because I know from my experience, I've been in organizations that invested in CRMs, and it all comes down to utilization, doesn't it? Right? I mean, you can invest in the greatest system in the world, but if there aren't, if you don't have um, a process in place uh, for accountability, and often you just don't get the utilization, and then you've made a really expensive investment, and then you're not getting the return. Yeah, definitely is. The most important things is that thing is that the CRM is is properly used, um, and everything depends on that, like literally everything, because it's all about having uh, great data on the sales side. Um, marketing and all that is 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 much more easy because basically it's already digital and it's already tracked, but on the sales end. Uh, it's really people that need to do things. And uh, if that doesn't happen, then you end up with uh, bad data, which makes that, again, you don't know what happens, uh, what, what a salesperson did and where to pick up uh, if, if they leave or they're sick. Uh, the finance department doesn't know what kind of sales is going is to come in. Like they, can, they don't have any forecast. They're, they're driving blind. The marketing department might send uh, promotions to people that the, the, the salespeople are just closing like accidentally. Uh, it's very hard to coach salespeople if you don't know like what they've done and what communication timeline there is. And all these kind of issues exist if a, a CRM is not used properly, which is actually uh, when you would look um, most of the companies don't use a CRM properly. Um but the main the main way of changing that I would say is just making sure that it's a system that everybody wants to use and will be able to use uh, consistently uh, for for a long time. Absolutely, and we have just made it through a very turbulent year. Twenty twenty was uh, something very special and unique, uh, certainly with all of the challenges of the pandemic, but despite all the unknowns that we're still facing, Jeroen, when you think about the future, what makes you optimistic about the future? What makes me optimistic? Um, yeah, as you look that, forward. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's all going to be over. Um, it's, uh, I think it's still, it's still going to take a while, but it's, uh, it's a situation that will end. Uh, I think it it uh, made a lot of good things happen. Digitalization made a big jump. Uh, lots of people learned new things. Um, we maybe got more, how can I say, we handle disease better as a society. Uh, I mean, people are, are, are not getting sick much nowadays because just because uh, they're so well protected. Uh, we, we know what to do uh, next time when this happens. Uh, People have uh, had a test, uh, let's say. Uh, we reappreciate uh, time with family and being at home. Uh, working from home uh, is also uh, much more accepted than it was in the past, which makes yeah. that people can 
can balance work and life in a better way. Um, there's so many good things. A lot of people started reading again, and you know, lots of people started walking. At least here yeah. in Belgium, uh, the only way you can basically see your friends is if you go have a walk with them. Uh, anything else is not allowed. Uh, so walking is very very popular nowadays here. Most definitely. Yeah. And, and some of these changes when you're talking about remote working, um, collaboration, how collaboration happens, they're not going to be just temporary changes. I, these things are going to be long-term shifts and uh, they can be for the good. So as you point out, so, um, some positives we can take, well, as we wrap up our conversations, your own, when you're thinking about business leaders that are trying to continually grow their business uh, and have long-term success. Do you have any final advice for them? Um, yes. Um, I would say what's, what's most important is that uh, the, the whole company, well, we, we talked about this for a moment earlier, like being customer oriented uh as like a, a a potential like a value or something that people have but it's it's not just enough to have people that 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 really want to serve customers well you also need to organize your company in such a way and and a few small things you can do uh and it's really all not as difficult uh, at least if you have some control of your company uh one is um making sure that as many people in your company are in touch um, with customers. Um, so what we do, for instance, is um, we have all uh, software developers help support um, it on a sort of rotating basis. So... Our, our uh, support person always has a developer on the side who's willing to help, which makes that the developers are sort of less uh, detached from the customers. Every one week in three, uh, they're working with customers um, to, uh, to solve their issues. We also um, work on collecting all feedback from customers in a very... Um, consistent way we set up a system for that anything they say we, we dig a bit deeper and we um we note it uh, somewhere we use github for that which is very related to our uh to our code uh but that's that's just up to the to um what what it is you do but just setting up a system like a place in which every time somebody says like oh uh, this should maybe be better in that way. Then you can note that down. You can ask, why is it that you want to have it that way? Uh, yeah. Dig a bit deeper and then uh, note that. And at some point you can start grouping and you can start seeing like, oh, this person asked that for that reason. And this person asked that for that reason. And then you know what to work on. And that's what can um, propel you forward as a company. If then also you build in some kind of rhythm uh, for solving this kind of stuff. Um, then you can like week by week move forward and always deliver better, better service or, or better product for your customers. 
love that approach. You know, one of the biggest knocks on many technology companies sometimes is the dev teams, the view that they're in silos, that they're insulated, they're not getting enough uh, interaction directly with the customers. And it sounds like you've solved for that. You're, you've already proactively creating a, a process uh, where they're going to have that interaction. So really great advice, Yarun. And I want to thank you again for joining and sharing your experience in founding a very successful company, a growing company in Salesflare and offering advice to business leaders uh, on how they can achieve similar success. So thanks again for coming on the program today. Yeah, you're welcome. This was fun. And I want to remind everyone to please continue to give us your feedback. If you like this podcast, please go out and rate and review. It's very easy to do. You can go out on Apple Podcasts and to do that. And also a reminder, as always, to make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.